Welcome to the Underrepresented Perspective podcast. This is Annie, and I'm joined by Jason, the TikTok Talk Campbell, and the Marcus Graves. We hope you guys enjoy the show today. Brother Marcus. So I, I was watching uh, on ESPN, and I, I saw Kirk Herbstreet. You know where he played football? That's right. Thank you, brother. I just had to make sure that uh, <laughs> make sure that things were accurate here. So I'm watching, and um, I, you know, the, the still frame is is clearly a, a man who's crying or has just been tearing up and so I, I'm watching it and you know I'm waiting for when that time is going to come because I'm, I'm intrigued by what the topic which was um, the young black men in collegiate sports especially football and um, it never really came down to this kind of enough is enough and the idea that he realizes he um, as an analyst as a white male as a former standout collegiate student athlete has not done enough and has not been the supportive activist that he can be and I, you know, I was just taken taken aback. Um, you don't see a lot of um, men on TV crying um, over stuff. You know, they cry over losses. You know, cry over amazing wins. But to cry over something that in society is is obviously affecting us so much um, was really something that I thought was a a move in the right direction. I thought it was an authentic move in the right direction. What, what did you think? Mm. I thought it was interesting because, like you said. Not a lot of times are you going to see those guys on TV, right, tear up and cry and, and things like that and show that kind of emotion. Uh, we were talking about it off air before we started recording is that I kind of had one of those moments too just, just last week when we were talking about Pete Carroll. He kind of said the same thing of we just want you guys to listen to, you know, white people. He said white people need to just shut up and listen, right? And that's because of there always seems to be a, you know, you say, listen, man, like, I want you guys to understand what it's like when I get in a car and a cop pulls up behind me. It's a lot different than what a lot of my other friends experience, right? And the best way I could describe it is when you get pulled over, you know, me talking to one of my white friends, I'm saying, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? And they're like, oh, man, like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to pay for a ticket. Like, I don't want an expensive ticket. And I was like, you have to look at that, man. Like, that's the worst case scenario for you. That's the first thing that jumps in your mind because you know worst case scenario, that's it. When it's opposite, when I get in my car, and if a cop pulls up behind me and I get pulled over, I'm thinking, like, this could be it, man. Like, I said, you have to send a text, you know, to your mom. You got to send a text to, you know, your people. Like, I, and I'm not, like, yeah, I'm not, like, like, I'm not blowing this out of proportion. It's just legit, like, how it is because you never know. All it takes is, is a cop having a bad day or a cop that does not like, you know, black men or feels threatened by a black man, right? That's why when I get in the car, first thing I do, I take my wallet. I take everything I need if I'm going to get pulled over and I put it on the dash. Because I will not risk it. I will not risk nothing reaching for anything or anything, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't do that right away. But I definitely, if I get pulled over, that I definitely get everything out while the cop or before the cop even gets out of his car while he is coming to me so that when he does get to me, everything is, is ready and there and out of my pocket. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of just to wrap it back around to what, you know, Kurt Herbstreit, Pete Carroll were talking about is – that's what they want us. They want people to understand. You know, that's what they want. White men, uh, white uh, white men, white women. They want them to understand kind of what people of color experience. And this isn't like a you know poor, poor, pitiful me thing. It's not because I really don't think it, it, it's coming across like that. It's just the fact of you cannot tell me that that I don't experience certain things if you don't experience them. That doesn't make any sense. You know, that's like, you know, you got you're obviously you know. <laughs> in the medical field, that's, that's like you telling me something about the medical field, and I'm like, no, that's not true. And I know nothing about the medical field, right? It, it, it makes no sense. 
And so that's where I think it's so important that these guys use their platform. And as they should, man, I, that was big. That was really big time. Obviously, with the whole uh, NBA thing going on right now as well, we saw Kenny the Jet Smith walk off stage the other day when the players were protesting as well. He was a mm-hmm, – and that's big. Like, that's huge. That shows that you cannot run from this because this is an actual problem. And as much as people – you know, they said the NBA ratings were down and numbers are down for all the sports because it's getting too, air quotes here, political. This is not political, man. Like, this is human rights type stuff, you know. So I thought it was really big what they did. I thought it was really interesting. And to be honest with you, it, it kind of warmed my heart a little bit. It, it was something I wanted to see, and I'm glad that they did it and they used their platform like they should. Yes, and this is the underrepresented perspective. And to put things in perspective, we talk about Pete Carroll. Uh, if you don't know, he was a longtime University of Southern California head football coach. He's now in the coach of the Seattle Seahawks. You know, we're Pacific Northwest guys. Uh, and just to see him realize that, you know, he coaches 80% of men that are black, right? And so to stand up for who he not only currently coaches, but has really helped propel his career I mean, as a, obviously a fantastic coach, but also someone that realizes that, like, you know, I didn't get here by myself. And I need to stand up for the men that have stood up for me, have helped me in my career and in my life. Uh, and then, you know, Kirk Herbstreit is a um, analyst on College Game Day if you watch it Saturday mornings. And he is a former uh, The Ohio State University uh, quarterback. And um, it, it just has a huge platform and a huge ability to say, hey, listen to those that don't look like us. They have something that needs to be heard. And it's 2020, but this is hopefully one of the bright spots, one of the, the underlying the silver linings. Uh, I don't know if we have many, but that's but this is what we need. What do you think, Any? Yeah, I mean, I obviously cannot speak to this as a black woman. I'm very much white, um, but I will say I try to be an ally in everything that I do, and. You know, I don't think you have to look that far to see people who are really struggling with this and whose lives are being affected at such a monumental level. And to see people, you know, criticizing the way that the Black Lives Matter movement is mobilizing or even criticizing things like um, the the NBA boycott or, you know, taking a knee when Colin Kaepernick did it years ago. It's astounding to me how quickly people are inconvenienced that them watching sports is is having to be delayed when people are, are literally discussing matters of life and death and the conversations that parents have to have with their children at such a young age about, you know, this is what you do if you are ever stopped by a police officer. I mean, you can't go to the store and buy Skittles and like hold them in your pocket and you can't play with toy guns in public because it's threatening and you can't go for a run because it's threatening depending on what neighborhood you're in. These are big ticket items and to me, they totally take precedent against whatever we're talking about, you know, about revenue that the NBA or the NFL or whatever league is making. Yeah, that's that's a massive problem because we're so ready to use labor from people that we're not ready to stand up for. And that's that's unfortunate. Absolutely. And I think that's what we will Absolutely. And I think that well, I mean well instead of trying to change the idea that money talks because it's not going to change, let's use that noun to illuminate these topics that are that are incredibly 
uh, pertinent. And so here we are. That's what we're doing uh, here on the underrepresented perspective. You know, we're just shining light, illuminating different things that are, are really important, both to minorities, to women and to society at large. How do you feel about Carmelo and Anthony? Man, this guy, New York City to Portland, Oregon. Now, I'm not saying that we have the same same life, but, you know, I'm a D.C. cat to now to Portland. But, you know, jokes aside, I love this story of redemption. I love what he represents, how I feel he represents um, overcoming, represents um, believing in yourself and just continued belief in yourself even when others have written you off. And so I'm all about it. Marcus, what do you think? I like Carmelo Anthony's uh, how he's been how he's been humbled. I think that's yes. the best way to yes. describe okay. it. He okay. was he went from a guy who was Cocky. I'm not gonna say he was me me me, but he understood that he was a damn good basketball player, and right. he had the swag. He kind of just had something about him that he kind of had that it factor, right? You see yeah. those guys, LeBron, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant, yeah, um, you know, those guys who knew that they had it, and Carmelo knew he had it. I mean, he, shoot, he's a Hall of Famer, but to see the adjustments that he's made in his life, just with kind of how he's responded to things, I think is extremely impressive. <laughs> right, and in his life outside of basketball, mm -hmm. as well as in basketball. Yeah. yeah, I mean, his life outside of basketball, I think he, you look at someone like a LeBron James, right, and LeBron's life outside of basketball is, right, he's done it all from yes. opening schools, yep. um, plenty of things for, for kids and, and people and things like that, and you look at Carmelo, and he he wasn't really as involved, or maybe not as in the spotlight because of About who him. he was, and yes. who knows what those reasons are. But then you look at him, right? You look at him now, and it's shoot, man, he's he's making changes. He's, he's using yeah, his voice for yep. for good and, and things like that, and I think that's extremely important. It shows just true growth in him, man. I really am excited to see yeah. that. And I, and I mean, you know, like I said, I'm new here, so as far as being a Blazers fan, I don't know if I can truly call myself that now. Uh, you guys can't see the hat I'm wearing, but it does say Trailblazers. But that being said, I mean, I am all about the underdog, and I think Carmelo Anthony, um, shockingly so, has become an underdog in, in many ways, and so I am go Blazers go uh, this, this season, and I really wish nothing but the best for him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So on the lines of Carmelo Anthony, the changes that he's made, like I was saying, to his mindset, that's that's kind of what I am most surprised about. Because if you look at Carmelo Anthony, what, when he played for the Knicks, just the way he carried himself is completely different. Right. He had, like, the the look at me, yep. I'm in the room. Now when he, you know, it's now it's completely different. He'll walk into a place and say, hey, look at you, man. Yes, like, like, yes. Look at, look at how you're doing. I like that about him. I think just in general, his humbleness now, the way he carries himself, it's just something that a lot of young black men should look at as, right. which I was I was the same way where at a high school, one of the top athletes, wow. right, if not the top athlete at my school wow. or in Central Oregon or one of the top athletes in Oregon, yep. and then you get to a place like Corvallis, Oregon State, Division One football, where everyone was the best player at by high far. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. And so now you look at it and you have to take a step back and understand your role. You have to change your mindset because if not, it's going to be a rude awakening, which... That's exactly what it was for Carmelo Anthony. Right. And so, you know, one thing that um, I wrote to Twitter a few days ago, I said, you know, five things that young black boys can learn from Carmelo Anthony. I said, one, success starts with believing in yourself. Two, if you fight for others, they will fight for you. Three, get back up no matter how hard the challenge is. Four, it's not over until it's over. 
And five, and I know you'll, you'll like this one, keep smiling and having fun, never stop. We, we see that with Carmelo. We see the, the, the smiling, the fun, the perseverance. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, I think there's so much here that we need to um, be proud of. Like, he represents us, and I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic to say that finally. I, don't, I did not feel that way when he was on the New York Knicks. Mm. And I want to I wrap up this segment with you, my man. Why, why those five things? Why do you think you can take away those five things when you watch Carmelo? Because one thing for me is that I rarely do I look at an athlete, a current, like a basketball player, NBA player, and think of things that that could help me in my field. If anything, I'm always thinking the other way around. You know, you're on the basketball court, so increasing your, your mental strength, your knowledge about the game, stuff like that. But for Carmelo, I mean, to become a physician, to become a black male in this realm, you need that perseverance. You need to believe in yourself because you may find yourself often with few who believe in you and who believe in your ability. Uh, you definitely need to know that if you have an exam that goes poorly, you're going to need to get back up from that exam. You're going to need to start studying all over again. You're going to need to potentially acquire a tutor. So just in looking at my own life, there are things that he speaks to. And um, and so, yeah, that's why that's why I wrote those five things. Mm. That's, a, that's interesting, too, because... When you just look at Carmelo Anthony, like we were just saying this whole time, you look through the, how everything went with him, right? From the highs, the lows, and just taking away everything that you said, I mean, it, it's so impressive. I mean, Carmelo Anthony is now, I mean, he was, he has always been one of my favorite players, but now it's just, it, he kind of took it to the next level for me just because me too. of how humble he is. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too, me too, love it. Hey, so since we're talking about Carmelo Anthony right now, um, you know, he's a guy that I didn't like. I didn't really like too much when he was in the New York Knicks. Um, just didn't, I didn't think that he necessarily represented himself or black male athletes the way that I, I wanted him to. Okay. Now, and, and, and you know, I'm gonna get some pushback here because I'm not saying that, you know, he was, he was obviously very committed to the game of basketball, but I felt like he was selfish. I felt like he was a lot about him. And then with both Denver and with New York, he wasn't seeing the fruits of that. And was that only his fault? Not necessarily. But let me tell you, I might be the biggest fan of Carmelo Anthony now that you could ever imagine. I spent about an hour looking on the internet for a Carmelo Anthony hat. So, Mel, if you're listening, I, I, I didn't find one, but if you got something for me, brother, no. But I just, jokes aside, I am um, the perseverance, the resiliency, the ability to listen to a lot of critics, right, Marcus? Like, a lot of critics and analysts say, yeah, you're done. You don't deserve the Hall of Fame. Your career isn't what it should have been. And still to come back to now be on a team that's such a nice fit for him. And this is regardless, irrelevant of whether the Lakers win or the Blazers win. This guy is representing black men, African-American men in the sport of basketball and in life, the way that we can all be incredibly proud of. Mm -hmm. And so, Jason, I kind of have a question for you, man, is because you, you obviously were an athlete yourself. Then you went to coaching and things like that. Kind of, you talked about perseverance with, with Carmelo Anthony and, and something that a lot of kids face, especially former athletes, is once you're done playing, you really have no idea who you are. You know, you lose your identity because, and an example for me is I was, I've always been known as Marcus, a really good football player. So once football was taken away from me, I was Marcus, the blank, blank, and blank. Same thing for Carmelo Anthony. He talked about a couple times in the interview where he was like, man, 
once I was done playing basketball, I was no longer Carmelo Anthony, you know, the basketball player. And obviously we knew he was a Hall of Famer. He had a great career and things like that um, when people thought it was over. But he hit even Carmelo Anthony, a Hall of Famer, hit that point of not really understanding and not really knowing who he was outside of that. And in your instance, obviously, you were a track star and things like that. So once you were done running track, uh, you know, what helped you persevere through just maybe that absence of not really knowing what to do once you were done? So I think that for me, I was very aware that there was going to be a finish line. And, and that pun is intended. Like, I knew that it, track wasn't going to be forever. Uh, you know, as a Division three athlete, uh, student athlete, I knew that, you know, it's what you it's what you make out of it, man. If I go to the training room, if I stretch, if I spend all my time and the necessary time to become the best track star with the right coach, who knows where this where this thing can end. But one day it's going to come to an end. And I knew that I needed to make sure that I was ready for the next spotlight, that it was like, well, Jason, the track star, Jason, the jock. Jason, the guy who runs from the track to chemistry lab and back, what, what's that? What's next for him? And so for me, I just realized that, hey, if you want to make sure that, you know, you, you being a student athlete is amazing, but if you're not enough without track, then with track, I would never be enough. And I think that that's such an important idea, right? If you're never enough without the accolades, it doesn't matter how many accolades you get, how many certificates of recognition you get, how many faculty awards you get, you're never going to be whole and be fulfilled. And so I think that I try to push the athletes when I'm coaching them to realize that, to realize that, you know, you have to be enough with none of that. Just sitting in a room with your thoughts, with your gratitude and be appreciative. And that's the Carmelo Anthony that we're seeing now, that I'm just appreciative that my life is on track, that I'm on a team that wants me, that I can continue to smile, that I, you know, just the graces by God, like that's, that's the level that I try to, that I try to have for myself. And then I try to push young student athletes that are coming up to realize there's a finish line, whether it's track, football, basketball, and you need to be aware of that. And I don't care if you train until the, as hard as you can until the last play of your senior year, but that play's coming one day, whether you like it or not. So that's always been my mentality, brother. No, I think Marcus speaks to something really real. Um, I know when I worked in athletics, on the outside, it seemed like trying to motivate the athletes was difficult, but I think they, I mean, we're talking about collegiate athletes. They have plenty of motivation. They have plenty of determination. Um, but I think you have to work extra hard to unlearn that there is more than just sports and that you can, you know, be goal-oriented academically or professionally or career-wise. And Jason, it sounds like you have enough foresight in your, in your years as an athlete to realize that and make moves in that direction. But what words of encouragement would you give to athletes who still haven't been able to come to terms with the fact that they are so much more important than just a number on the field or on the track or in the basketball court, what have you, um, and that they can have a plan B that's not the league? I mean, I'm going to start with what you just said. Unlearn that everything that society has told you, that you 
are more than an athlete, even if coaches forgot to tell you that, or teachers somehow left that out, you know, when they were grading your papers, or uh, if, you know, your mom and dad, you know, they want you to be more than an athlete, but this is the way that they need you to put food on the table for yourself and for the rest of the family. I mean, that, I mean, to unlearn something is just, it's, that's beautiful, Any, um, And so for me, I think, obviously, it came from, from an upbringing where, you know, it started in the, in the library, it started in the classroom, and then everything outside of that, you know, I went back and forth with my mentality, my ideology, to be a strong competitor on the track, and then to be a strong competitor for my future goals and for achieving my dreams. And so I, you know, whether you were, you know, wearing some, some track spikes or wearing shoes that were, you know, what do they say, closed-toed shoes that are appropriate for a lab, the same mentality existed. And that same mentality continues to exist and to push me and fulfill me today. And so that's what I, what I say to these young student athletes, uh, these young men of color, like it's this idea that your mentality that makes you so strong as a student athlete can, as, as an athlete can make you so strong as a student. And let's balance that out. Student athlete, the right way, not student small and times new Roman size six athlete bolded capital times new Roman size 20. Let's actually make it equal the way it's supposed to be. And so, Jason, my last question for you, my man, is is why do you feel like it's so important to, to, to say those kind of things? Why do you feel like you are in a position to tell these kids these kind of things? And how do you hope it obviously helps them in the future? Marcus, thank you for asking that. So, you know, there's this thing called imposter syndrome. So that's where uh, for minorities and for uh, women in some fields that are um, where they're few or, or one of. Uh, there are these feelings of, do I belong? These um, false beliefs that maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Now, one piece that I tie to that is this idea that if people believe that they're not supposed to be somewhere, well, then remember that affects me and that could affect the young black boy who wants to be a doctor one day. That could affect the pre-med student who looks like me, who's like, well, I is this a cautionary tale? Like, should I not be going this route if Jason is finding this route is not for him? So what I bring that back to say is that I always look at my platform and where I am in life as a reason. Like God brought me here to help inspire others. First, second, and third. I have no doubt about that. And so when it comes to uh, using my platform, I mean, the only thing worse than having a platform is not using the platform that you've been given, right? Like if you have a platform and you're not using it, not even just the right way, but if you're not even using it to promote others and to change the world and change society and change your community, what are you doing with it? And it's okay to have fun. You know me, man, the TikTok doc, you know, I'm dancing and stuff like that. But all this stuff, as you as you have heard, as any has talked about, is for a reason. Reach back, pull people forward. Um, and so that's why it's just so important to talk about now because it's always important to talk about stuff like this now, right? If we're waiting, we've missed the whole, we missed the point. Now, 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 you know, got to live in the present and, and change stuff for the future. Thank you guys for listening to the Underrepresented Perspective podcast. We'll see you next week.